0: Hello and welcome to The Limitless Podcast with me, Joshua Patterson. I'm passionate about sharing the stories of courage and resilience. Each week, I will be interviewing extraordinary people from all different walks of life who saw past their statistics, who turn personal moments of adversity into strength. My hope is that this podcast can inspire you to step outside of your limits and achieve things you thought never possible. Welcome to Limitless. Before we crack on with the show, I want to give a shout out to the partners of today's podcast, Thriver. I genuinely believe that really understanding what's going on with your body can empower you to feel your best self. So I've been following Thriver for a while and love that they really endorse this belief with their easy at-home blood tests that are analysed by the NHS labs. I recently did one of their blood tests after feeling like I'd been lacking energy and within 48 hours of sending off my test... I was given a personalised report and discovered that I had low vitamin B12 levels. Not only was the test super simple to do from the comfort of my own home, I was also offered dietary suggestions and evidence-based advice to help with increasing my levels of vitamin B12, which has been invaluable. If you'd like to keep on track with what's going on inside your body, I'd recommend checking out these guys for yourself by visiting thriver.co and entering the code LIMITLESS, Check out for £30 off your first Thriver kit. Thank you again for your support, Thriver. Today, I am incredibly honoured to be speaking to April Cassia about her journey with mental illness and her experiences as being a firefighter at the tragic Grenfell Tower. April's story is perhaps even more extraordinary, as it was her first shift on the job. April, firstly, welcome and thank you so much for coming.
1: Thanks for having me. It's good to be
0: here. April and I basically have a mutual friend, an amazing woman called Pam. And uh, Pam had been watching a lot of my Limitless series and she basically sat me down and said, listen, I have this incredible woman in my life, April, and she has this story that I just, I think it needs to be told. When she told me your story, I just was blown away. And I just, for me, it was so important that people heard it so I think you know what I would really love is for you to kind of just take it all the way back kind of just share a little bit of your journey with the people what was like childhood for you? Do
1: you know what I just I don't think I have many early memories which in one way I think is a shame but the later memories I have are probably greater because you know living through divorce at a young age, probably could be quite traumatic. But thankfully, I don't really remember any of that. Unfortunately, my earliest memory is when I was probably about nine years old. And this is probably where things started to go downhill, really, in terms of having to grow up fast and change my life and not have such a normal upbringing, was when my mum's twin sister passed away. And um, then she had to adopt my cousin, who then became my brother. Um, And that's just my earliest memory, is the situation of finding out that that had happened and then knowing that everything was going to change and then obviously that spiralled into my mum having mental health issues and being emotionally distressed and she just lost her twin sister and my grandma was ill and she had to be strong and adopt another child when she already had three of her own and not very big house and I think that, that's my earliest memory.
0: And did your mum not have a support network? Did she not remarry or meet someone? Was she kind of taking all of this, you know?
1: I no, she, she never remarried, but I think her biggest support network was my brother. And that's probably why they are both the way they are now in terms of their mental health and their depression, because they've both relied on each other so much and given each other the support so my brother's ultimately been like my dad growing up really
0: And, and how do you think you've managed to kind of detach yourself from that
1: in like the most positive way possible without being too negative towards how they've dealt with stuff is just to try and think I don't want to end up like that I don't want to put myself in a situation where I don't feel like I can go out and meet someone else if something went wrong or I only have to have my immediate family I can't venture out and find other people and I think that's how they've isolated themselves and that's why I am how I am but they know that and we've discussed that and that's why they always say oh, you're crazy you all of a sudden jump on a plane and go somewhere or you're sitting in the house in your pyjamas and the next minute you want to run outside and go to a bar or something. It's just They just think I'm off my head.
0: (laughs) And and do they see strength in what you do? I mean, can you see a change in their character at all? I mean, do they try and take the positives of what you do and try and, I guess, adopt it to their own lives?
1: Absolutely. I don't know about adopting it to their own lives 100%, but they do try their best. I think just sort of when all that stuff happened on my first shift at work... It impacted them massively and I didn't realise because I was so caught up in what I was feeling and how I was going through it that I didn't think about how emotional and sad and distressed they were from me actually being there and I didn't kind of take that into account until a year and a half later when I'd realised that my mum had recorded all these TV shows in case I wanted to be engrossed in that incident and know what had happened and obviously what I'm referring to is the job that I had at work.
0: So although she still continues to go through her own personal battles you know the wonderful thing is that she has that acknowledgement I'm guessing.
1: Oh gosh yeah she's because she's not in a relationship she's by herself it's a hundred percent all about her kids so me being in the job that I'm in she fears for my life every time I go to work even though 70% of it sometimes isn't very dangerous at all and then she'll be supportive of the fact that my brother's suffering with severe depression and doesn't leave the house and then my sister's going through things with her kids and she's always, it's not about her anymore and I think that is as well what being a parent is, it's just it's never about you anymore.
0: Do you think being subjected to this at such a young age has kind of moulded the person that you've become today? Do you see it as a negative or now Do you see it as a positive because of how it shaped you?
1: Um, I see it as a positive and a negative. I think in a bad way it's probably closed me off to a lot of emotion because I've seen how falling in love and separating from people hurts and I just think, oh, I don't want to have that feeling that I've seen people go through. But at the same time, it makes me want to have more friends and be more receptive to meeting people there's more friendship rather than that kind of thing
0: do you feel like with the life choices that you've taken you would say that this has made you more resilient
1: oh yeah definitely you don't realise until after something's happened how much it's gonna make you who you are
0: what (laughs) blows my mind about you I've met a lot of people in my life that have been subjected to, to mental illness have lived with mental illness and I would say almost the majority of them commit themselves then to a life of calm and peace. And I think what's really interesting about you is that through what you've been subjected to, I'd say has inspired the decision to become a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to get my head wrapped around is why that was your choice. Because I look at what you guys go through every day and there is nothing calming and I can't see peace in it (laughs) at all and I wonder when you have the mindset that you do why you would then put yourself into that environment rather than something maybe a little bit easier
1: um that's a very good question actually um I think like my nine-year-old self at that point of disaster striking and my family kind of falling apart was like okay I just need to help everyone help 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 that's it That's the only word I knew at that point. Throughout school, I just continued on help, help, help. And when it came to that point where people go, what do you want to do as a job? I was like, oh, wow, I haven't really thought about that until now. And it's a bit late because I haven't really put my head into studies and I'm not the biggest book smart person ever. So I just went and got an office job. And then when I was in that office job, I was like, wow, this is awful. I really don't want to do this. I loved the people I worked with, but it was just the mundane tasks every day, the same thing. And that's when I sat there and thought, right, I can't do this for the next 40 years before I get a pension or what. What did I want to do? And then I think I sat down and I asked my mum and she was like, oh, well, you used to love watching London's Burning. And I was, oh, my God, I did. So I looked into it and it just seemed like... It ticked every single box. It wasn't, you have the stability and the same things every day that you go in and do, but then you have the randomness of you have no idea what's going to happen. You get a second family, which is frigging awesome, and then you get a little bit of excitement, but you get quite a little bit of time off as well, and you just meet the most random people that you'd never have met before and you see some of the most random things you never would have seen otherwise and it's just amazing
0: You know our service men and women come under a lot of scrutiny for a lot of things and actually we don't really focus on what's important is that there are so many men and women every single day that get up and they commit their lives to people for not a lot of return and they're endangering their own lives I mean you endanger your life every single day for your love for people and I just think it's just such a such a special quality to have, but I mean, your your journey becoming a firefighter wasn't easy, was it? No. So you had an entry exam, <laughs> mm-hmm. as, am I right in saying that? And, and how many attempts did it take for you to get in?
1: Um, I applied when I was 18 and had apparently no life experience based on my terrible application, which I do look back at now and go, wow, no wonder you didn't hire me. Um, and, <laughs> And then I thought, right, I'm just going to go away and get that office job and get the experience of being around people and then come back. And then I applied a second time, got to a certain stage. I think I failed my interview. I kind of just fumbled my words and probably answered the questions all wrong and then failed that. I was like, right, okay, I'll try this one more time. So, yeah, I went away, waited for the application process to open up again and then applied then. Got through all the hoops and hurdles that I needed to and then got to like a physical fitness day that you have to do where it's quite intense, like you have to do like about six different stages and one of them is just simply lifting a bar up above your head with about, I think it's, they put like 20 kilograms on it, not very much. I went to lift that up and I didn't bend my knees because someone told me not to bend my knees and then I didn't and then that caused me to fail it, which pushed me back a month. I was like, oh, God another month i can't do this for another month and then the guy said i'll oh, go away practice lifting and then just come back redo that you have to redo the whole day i was like great but once you've done that you'll be fine so it's not just then the stress of that one thing i failed because i passed everything else so then i have to go and pass all that again and then redo that one tiny lift which just dressed me right out for a month <laughs> And then, yeah, I just went back and I'd done it, but I bent my knees because I, I made a point of asking beforehand, I was like, can I bend my knees because I don't want to hurt my back? And I was like, yeah, of course you can. I was like, oh, piece of cake then. Like when you bend your knees and you lift weights, that's a natural movement. So I was like, okay, cool, right. Done it, managed to pass that. But that full month, I was just going back and forth, like, do I want to do this? Because I feel like I'm constantly going to be tested and I'm never just going to be left alone and... Be able to just just get on with things. Like I'm always going to have to reach this bar that people are setting to check that I'm always fit. Like every three years, we'll have like a fitness test. And what what about when I get older? And I just had all these faults. I was like, I don't know if I can do this.
0: Voices inside your head. Yeah. So you were basically your your own demons Yeah.
1: And it was just horrible. That month just sucked. And I think I lived in the gym for a month and I hired a personal trainer because I was panicking. And I didn't even need to panic because I could lift the weight. The first day I went there, he was like, you can lift it. What's the problem? It's nothing
0: wrong with too much preparation. And I was
1: like, just fine. I'll hire you for the whole month. It's fine. I need to get through this. I can't fail.
0: <laughs> but then I think, you know, those attempts that didn't succeed is ultimately what created the firefighter that you are now. Do you ever kind of think to yourself, if somebody else was in my shoes right now, would they persevere the way I am to become a firefighter or do you think certain individuals would quit? I mean, did you see that around you at all?
1: Yeah, I think I kind of used that as a, a little bit of a tool to keep myself, get my head in the game.
0: And the best thing about it is is that you eventually succeeded mm. and, and officially became a firefighter.
1: Oh, that day was, like, the best bloody day of my life. Like, my mum and my brother actually came out the house, which was amazing to watch me graduate. I was like, yay!
0: How nice is that? I know, and right. it was not
1: close. It was well across London, all the way in Harrow. It was so far away.
0: But how, how special is that moment? If nothing else came from being a firefighter, just that moment in itself, what you went through, what you did and what you achieved, inspired your mum and your brother to come out of the house.
1: Yeah, that was, like, the cherry on the cake, really. Like, I had 11 weeks of, like, amazing training and I met some amazing people, but them coming out of the house was kind of like, oh, that was all worth it. Even if it was a horrible experience, which it wasn't, that was definitely worth it, just for that one little bit.
0: A quick ad break to give a special shout-out to today's partners over at Mama. It's important when I've got a busy training schedule to find good quality foods to help aid my nutritional needs when in a rush. It's not always easy to find the time to get in a proper breakfast. That's why Mama Porridge is so convenient. Not only are they super quick and easy to make, all you have to do is add hot water. With loads of variety to choose from, my personal favorite of their ready to go pots is almond butter and salted caramel. Mama Porridge is made from a blend of British jumbo oats and fine oats and are delicious. Massive thanks to Mama for being a sponsor on today's episode. I guess you're on this high, you know, this magical moment where, you know, mother and brother have come to support you. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was four days of officially becoming a firefighter. And I believe it was your first shift. Mm -hmm. You were faced with Grenfell Tower.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm.
0: And I mean, you just can't even comprehend how to even deal with something like that. You couldn't even write it. Let's put it that way. I mean, it's something that you would see almost in like a Hollywood film, like Mm -hmm. that that would be the reality. Do you feel like everything that you had Mm -hmm. faced up to that point better prepared you for probably what you were going to be subjected to post that event?
1: Yes. So I think having dealt with all of the negative stuff as a kid and trying to get the positive and the negative from it, after that happened, I wasn't really sure how it was going to affect me and i was surrounded by a lot of really strong people that were like ah no it we'll would be fine everyone will be fine i think the first two weeks after that i was an absolute wreck anyway and i think i drank a lot
0: um was that just to kind of numb yourself
1: yeah i just kind of wanted to sleep all the time and the only way i could sleep is if i was like drank a lot yeah. <laughs> so
0: do you think yeah. that was the general attitude with a lot of firefighters? Do you think they were a lot of them were trying to cope in a way of just kind of numbing and forgetting kind of what had been seen, heard?
1: Yeah, I feel like it, at that time it was kind of like a unspoken knowing. Like we all knew what we were thinking, but we didn't really say much because you didn't feel like you wanted to or needed to. And I think naturally when the time was right to start talking about that kind of thing, then we would. Everyone had their armour on and trying to be strong and... Not really in the best way dealing with it, because we was all trying to deal with it on our own rather than doing the whole talking thing United. and opening up. and you kind of do around the we have like when we sit down and eat, it's like around the mess table, is what it's called. So we all sit around the mess table and you have like a miniature chat, but then every now and again that might be interrupted because a shout like a job will come through, and then you've got to just quickly jump up and leave, mm-hmm. and then you don't really go back to that conversation because it's kind of like oh safe by the bell like. Out we go. I think the only reason I realised that I was struggling was because of Pam. I went and saw her and she was like, there is something wrong with you. Because my mum and my brother had decided to just kind of let me be and just go, are you OK? Every now and again. And like I was grateful for that because I was like, just let me be self-destructive. Let me drink. Let me sleep. Let me just do what I want to do because that's clearly how I want to deal with it. And then when I went to see Pam and she said, like, there is something seriously wrong with you. You are not the same person. And that, like, really hurt.
0: And she would know. I mean, just just to give you guys a bit of a background of Pam, she's this mutual friend that we have. She is one of the most strong-minded, powerful women I think both of us have probably ever met. She's American. She's foul-mouthed. She's just (laughs) the most incredible human being who has not, not only helped you but she's helped me a huge amount in my life I mean there's been times where I've hit some really dark spots you go in there and you spend five minutes and that woman susses you out because she's been through hell and back and you look at what she's achieved and she just puts things into perspective doesn't she and Mm -hmm. I think it, I, I understand so much about what you're saying that when she goes to something wrong, yeah. she knows. And you can't bullshit her. No. And that's what I adore about her is that <laughs> yeah. she'll tell you to fuck off yeah. if, if you say it's fine. She's quite <laughs> blunt. And, um, yeah, I think for her to acknowledge that with you, you know, that must have, have stood out.
1: Yeah, it like it hurt because I thought, oh, my gosh, have I lost who I was? And does that now mean that every friend I have or every relationship I've built... They're not going to want to speak to me or spend time with me anymore because I'm different. And I don't know what's changed, but clearly something has because you're telling me that it has.
0: Do you think it was what you saw or what you heard that was really the effect? Like, what What is it, do you think in particular, that was having this knock-on effect? Or do you think it was just the general, I guess, environment that you were in at that time where it, it just is overwhelming and it's just something that you probably just can't comprehend what you've you've been through?
1: Yeah, I think you just took the words out of my mouth. Overwhelming was exactly it I was just so overwhelmed with everything like didn't know where to start to be able to deal with it so visuals hearing what people were talking about the actual way that it was dealt with people around me family friends people treating me differently because all of a sudden I wasn't April anymore I was just this firefighter that had been to Grenfell and it just sucked that's all people could see and even like, some family and friends would just constantly be like, oh, look, this is April, this is my friend, she she just did Grenfell, and it's like, but it's not, it's not a fucking TV show. You don't realise what I went through, and it absolutely was dreadful, and I know that you're proud because I've done something good in your eyes, but just stop telling everyone. Like, I don't like being the centre of attention, I kind of just want to hide and just let it all blow over, and then you realise it's never going to blow over because <laughs> it's indented in history, and that's never going to go away. And it's kind of like tattooed on you. Like it's a part of you
0: now. Do you think it's been a slow recovery from it? Do you, do you feel like you have recovered?
1: I think you feel like you are leaps and bounds ahead of where you are. And then all of a sudden, one thing gives you a massive setback. Like I thought I was fine. And then the inquiry started and then the anniversaries come up and then people want to ask you about it so you think okay I'm fine until someone mentions it but you can't not ever speak about it again to be okay I went to counselling and the the brigade were amazing for like offering counselling and checking up on you afterwards and like I had regular sessions because they offered that to me and it was very necessary at the time and then I got to a point where I thought I don't need this anymore but I was not the right person to make that judgment call because I stopped going because I felt like it was making me feel worse but then not going made me feel worse. <laughs> and then I was like, I can't go back now because now I look like I've failed again. I can't admit that I was wrong and that I needed it when I said I didn't and was really like eager to get out of there and sign me off, I'm fine. Tick the box, stamp me out, off you go.
0: What baffles me is that you have a room full of people, as you said, our family and yet each individual can jump into a burning fire and endanger their life without fear, but are terrified just to tell the person next to them that they've known for years that they're scared and that they've been really affected by something. And it's trying to gauge that. Why do we still have this limitation in our lives where we are just in fear of doing actually what is best for us, which can truly help us? And I guess it's these conversations where, you know anyone out there that's listening to this it doesn't even have to be a service man or woman but just take strength from it and the more we talk about it I think the stronger the more united and the better off as a society we are going to be I mean the fact that you've had the courage today to talk about this I just think is so so valuable because you just don't know who's going to be listening to it
1: if one person can just sit there and think do you know what I'm not going to be scared about saying how I feel today even if it's to someone that would usually probably laugh and go oh, shut up don't be an idiot and brush it off just be like okay I'm gonna give it a go and whatever the reception I get from what I say it's helped me because I've got it out and I think it's just being selective as well as who you do talk to about certain things because everyone is who they are at the end of the day and if someone isn't as supportive because they don't like talking about their feelings, then don't put them in that situation to have to do it. Pick someone that you trust and that you believe is going to listen and give you the best support that you deserve, and then you can do the same for them.
0: Amen to that. I keep saying this. I think so many people get so worked up that an individual doesn't want to listen to them or they don't understand what it is that they're saying and you just have to respect that they're not they're not bad people they're just not in a similar mindset to you so you, like you just pointed out there you just have to have those conversations with those that can yeah and that took me a long time to realize i had friends that i would open up to years ago when i was struggling and i'd come out of those conversations so angry yeah and it was merely just because they hadn't been subjected to it themselves. So how are they meant to understand? It's like me saying to a woman who's pregnant, God, I really know what you're going through. <laughs> I have no idea. No idea yeah. at all. But I think as time goes by, I guess the empathy that you can have, and I guess the more, as we said, we, you talk to people about these, these experiences through your life, I guess the only way you can show those that don't understand how to is by Showing them is by talking to them about it. Do you feel like this has brought your brigade together stronger since that day? And do you feel like you now can see strength in that vulnerability and are able to talk more openly with one another? Or do you think, again, that's maybe just another hurdle that you guys are going to face and it might be a slow one?
1: I think it's probably still a hurdle. However, the length of time that's gone past has Definitely changed it as well. So I think it's just going to be a time situation where as more incidents happen and time goes on, people will feel more comfortable to talk about things. I do think this has given it a massive kick forward in come on, let's just talk about how we feel, because surely everyone feels something from that, whether you were there or whether you weren't. Because I know there are a lot of people that weren't there that felt devastated that they couldn't be helping. And That's like a catch-22, because it's kind of like, would I rather have been off-duty, sat at home watching that, terrified for people and colleagues, wanting to be there, like fighting myself not to get up and go, or is it better that I'm there and I was in that moment not being given that choice, if
0: that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, it's a a tough decision. Yeah. Do you think it changes your perception of life and how you want to live it
1: yeah absolutely it's a horrible way to think I'm like life is really short and I could die any minute I could fall through a ceiling or trip over something or I don't know run out of air in a job if I'm gonna be offered to do something or make a decision I'm thinking about right would I be regretting it if I didn't do this and then I died tomorrow
0: I always say you know I think one of the most foolish things we can do in life is act as if tomorrow's promised because we have no idea. Mm. And I think the reason why Limitless for me was so important to create is, is when you share the stories like yours and you meet the people that I have done every single day, literally with the click of a finger, life can change. It doesn't have to be death. It can be anything. Yeah. Mental, physical, financial, social... And we just don't, obviously you don't see it coming. And I think that's why, you know, so often we hear people say, live every day like it's your last. We say it, but I don't think we really mean it when we say it. Yeah. And you have to believe it. And that's why I say to people with Limitless, wake up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I am Limitless. And I know people might go "Oh, but that's really corny. Well, it's only corny if you don't believe it, because the minute you believe it, it's not. It becomes your mantra. And the reason why I say it is because we are capable of doing anything we want in life. What (laughs) would you say are the biggest limitations that we put on ourselves?
1: I think just the simple thing of saying, oh, I can't do it. It's not that you can't do it, it's that you really won't do it then, will you? Because there's no such thing as you can't. There's whether it's, I don't know, mental strength, physical strength, being able to just achieve a goal, there's no way you can't do it because other people are. If you look around you, you say, oh, I really, really want to... I don't know, get really into shape and you oh, I can't do it. Well, you can because that person has and they've just set their mind to it and they've set a goal and they've gone and done it. You've just got to get out of your own head. It's funny
0: because I was literally just about to say to you, if someone said to you they can't do it, what would you say? And you've pretty much just answered it. I yeah. think the only way we can tell people that they can do it is by showing them.
1: Yeah, exactly. You have to take risks. I think that reflects on everything, doesn't it?
0: And I think that's what's key to anyone that's listening. Take strength from April today, terrified to come and do a podcast when you think actually what she's already been through, the grand scheme of things. The podcast to me probably wouldn't be the scariest, but to you this was a big challenge and you've done it. So to anyone that's listening to this, do something today that you're scared of because how good's the feeling when you achieve it?
1: It's good. I think when I stop shaking, it'll be better.
0: (laughs) Oh, that never goes. Naturally, the body takes over the whole time. The lips keep moving, but the body continues to shake. What would you say... Is bravery and courage for you?
1: Um, Bravery and courage, I think, for me, is just not being scared to take a risk, whether it's a small risk or a huge risk, but just believing in yourself. Because to believe in yourself, you have got to be really brave because ultimately you don't know what the outcome of anything you do is going to be. You're the only one really pushing yourself
0: if you could reflect on who has inspired you, who's been a role model or a support network, if you could say thank you, who would you say thank you to?
1: I've got a list as long as my arm. Everyone that I work with at my station, like not just my watch, like my whole station, just because small interactions on a daily basis just, I don't know, make you smile and cheer you up and everyone's so different. And then my mum and my brother for the simple fact that they do keep fighting and it causes me to realise that I should never give up because they haven't even through everything they've been through and just all of my friends and everyone that I sit down and they just listen to me ramble on and then we have our little agony aunt sessions and just, I don't know, all of my friends, family and colleagues and it's just, like, I don't think there's one person that I've come into contact with that I think, oh, God, could have done without that. Like, <laughs> every single person, whether you're listening or you're not listening to me saying it, like, thank you, honestly, you don't understand. And Pam for pointing out that I was losing my shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you, Pam. I think if there's anyone listening right now, that is struggling and have listened to this podcast that are currently, if they're facing adversity, what advice could you give them to help them face it or understand it or even hopefully overcome it?
1: Don't be scared. It's okay. And be in that moment and don't shy away from it. Take what you can from it because even if it's the smallest little negative thing that can turn everything into a positive and push you forward then just grab hold of that and and utilize it talk to someone anyone but pick someone that you trust and that you love and care about that will support you and don't give up in any manner whatsoever just reevaluate think about where you want to be and just keep pushing forward and just don't give up
0: I just want to say that I'm so grateful and very, very humbled that, you know, this is a a, a very intimate story that you shared today. And for you to do it with me, you know, I, I just, I can't show you enough gratitude. So thank you so much. You know, I'm going to be following your journey. And I think this is just the start of something very, very exciting. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Limitless. This podcast is something I'm so passionate about and would love it if you would let me know your thoughts and opinions by leaving a rating and a review in the comment section. It really helps me to spread the word. If you think this story might resonate with someone you know, then please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes every Thursday where I'll be talking to more inspirational guests who have seen past their limits. Until next time.